0: We're talking about our series, Rest, and this is the second uh, sermon in the series, Rest. And the first one was, Pierre spoke last week about resting in Him, the fact that when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, and that we are in the shadow of the Most High, and we believe anything is possible with God, then we can actually have rest in Him. And this morning, we're going to be talking about resting in God's plan. Um, And it's part of, I believe it's really an essential part for us, having rest as we go into a whole nother year, one of the things for me that brings worry in my life and i 'm sure it 's the same with everyone here is is looking at the future and not knowing what the future is going to bring and we sometimes look at the future and we worry in our personal lives with the country, with the world, what is going to happen and I mean, this year has been a crazy year if you just looked at the news, the stuff that's coming out. I mean, it's been a total roller coaster. It's quite entertaining to kind of put on the news and think, what am I going to see today? I mean, some of the things we've seen is, you know, with the corruption, the state capture, leadership in our country, that's something that produces worry. Am I right? Uh, other things, of course, is the economy, you know. Uh, the RAND, junk status, not up and down. It's like a roller coaster. And uh, apart from that, you know, we're also being hit by a semi-drought, which has gone into a drought in the Western Cape, and, um, you know, everyone's trying to find the most innovative ways to save water. Apart from that, we've got crazy violence happening around the world. You know, in South Africa, we hear about all these shootings, you know, just in Stellenbosch, not far from us, around the world, we hear about the most terrible terrorist attacks, and I believe that all these things, you know, they make us worry about the future. We think, you know, what is the future going to bring? And I, I don't know in your personal lives. I know in my life there's things that have happened that have made me worry about the future. But the amazing thing is today, you know, we were singing that song, Sovereign God. And that's the amazing thing about God is that God is sovereign. And the Bible tells us that God has a plan. If we look at Romans 8:28, it says, and we know that for those who love God, God works all things together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. And I love that because it shows that no matter how hectic things look, how gloomy things look, and how bad the prospects for your own personal life or South Africa look, God has a plan and he works all things for the good. Now if we look at our nativity story, you know, just before Jesus came, you, you sometimes don't appreciate the perspective of how bad things were, were for them. You know, I think we can draw a nice parallel when we look at some of the things going on in the world and think it looks pretty hopeless. Israel, at the time, when Je- just before Jesus was born, was in a pretty dire state. These guys, in their history, they'd basically... Uh, been taken to God by the, uh, but taken by God to the Promised Land. Uh, they they'd basically been removed from the land because they'd messed up so badly. Some of them got brought back, and things weren't really restored as they should have been. And they had these amazing promises of this King that was going to come and bring the most amazing deliverance to the people, and then nothing for four hundred years. Now you can imagine that you're waiting for four hundred years from the time that Malachi was writing his last, last prophecies in the Old Testament, 400 years and nothing, the people must have been pretty discouraged. And then if things weren't bad enough, the Romans came, and they took over the place. And the Jews were basically under the Romans. They were oppressed by the Romans. Things couldn't have got much worse for our, our people before Jesus was born. And I think we can draw a parallel today with this, that the people were in a place of hopelessness or or worried about the future and thinking, can it get any worse? But what I love about the story about Jesus' birth is that God had an amazing plan. And he had a plan beyond their expectations. And whatever God says he's going to do, although sometimes it takes time, God never forgets. And he's working things out. And that's what we're going to look at this morning is the art rolling of God's incredible plan to bring redemption to the nation of Israel, but also to bring redemption to the world. Uh, to look at that this morning, we're looking at the Gospel of Luke. Now, Luke is a great guy to look at this because Luke was, uh, apart from being a doctor, Luke was also an historian. And what that means is that Luke included details in his Gospel that none of the other Gospel writers included. And the reason he did that, most of the other gospel writers, I don't know, uh, Matthew was an accountant, and he was interested in numbers, and he was a bit here, a bit there. He liked it, you know, kind of putting it systematically together. Um, But Luke was much more, he appreciated the history. And he did it, you know, he would appreciate the event around the event and show the sequence bit by bit. And I believe the reason Luke did this is because he wanted to show The amazing plan of God unfolding bit by bit. And Luke wasn't just a secular historian. He was a historian who had a divine perspective. Um, From his uh, divine perspective, he could see that history sees, he saw history basically as part of God's divine plan. Last week, we looked at Mary and how an angel came to Mary, and she was freaked out, and she said, you know, basically the angel said to her, you're going to have a son, and he's going to be a king, and his kingdom is never going to end, prophesying the birth of Jesus. And Mary was actually great about it. She said, let it be as you say. And we looked at that and how Mary responded in faith. This morning, we're going to look a bit apart from the main story where you know, Mary gave birth to Jesus and Joseph, the story around that. We're going to look at Zechariah and Elizabeth and the angel that visited Zechariah and prophesied the birth of his son, John. I chose Zachariah because it's definitely a name I can't mess up like the last one. So I can't even pronounce Keziah uh, or whatever. So I, I think I won't mess this one up. But so we're going to look at this story about Zechariah because it's the story around the story. And as I say, the reason for this is we want to see how God's amazing plan of redemption is art rolling so we can see in our own lives how we can have rest in God's plan. Um, I want to ask that you turn with me. It's going to be up on the screen to Luke 1 verses 11 to 20. And I'm going to read from there Luke 1 verses 11 to 20. uh, to, of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the people, uh, for make, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years." Notice how he uses a euphemism, I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. <laughs> Very smart, Zachariah. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. So God, I just thank you for this word that we look at today, that we can learn from your word today, God, that you can teach us how to have rest in your plans, and that, God, you have the most amazing plan, which you are unrolling in the earth today. And thank you for just instructing our hearts today, God, and that we can really open our hearts to what you want to say to us. In Jesus' name. So that's a scripture for today, and I just want to, because we've got the kids with us, um, I want to keep it sweet and short, really, and I just want to look at three points from the scripture about the outrolling of God's plan, God's amazing plan and providence, and how we can have rest uh, based on this, knowing that God is completely in control. The first thing we see from this passage is that rest comes from the revelation that God has a plan. Oftentimes when things are going wrong and it feels like things aren't working out, it feels like there's no plan whatsoever and we can cry out to God and say, God, where are you? Where are you, God? Don't you see what I'm going through? Don't you see how wrong this is going? Don't you see what's happening in the country? We feel when things are going wrong that God doesn't have a plan. But what I see from this scripture is the fact that God always has a plan. And we see this. One of the amazing things is that prophecy uh, is is an incredible gift to the church. Because with this story, when the angel comes to Zechariah and he says, your prayer's been answered, and he tells him that he's going to have a son called John. He says he's going to turn children's hearts to their fathers and turn people who have been disobedient back to the Lord. This is a fulfillment of the prophecy that is 400 years old, that has been unspoken, you know, that no one thought was going to happen 400 years ago, but it's happening. In the same way, prophecy is vital in our lives because it reminds us that God has a plan. And when we're in that place, when we feel despondent, we feel like God is not seeing what we're going through, how messed up things are. It's awesome when someone comes and shares a word or we read something in Scripture that reminds us that God has a plan. And it it strengthens, it comforts, and it encourages us and reminds us that God has a plan. When the angel came to Zechariah and said, your prayer's been answered, we often read that and think, okay, great. Well, they were praying just for a son that his barren wife Elizabeth would give birth. But the answer to prayer was so much more than that because Zechariah was a priest for the people. He'd gone in to light the incense. So he was making an appeal for the whole people of Israel. And when God was saying your prayers answered, it wasn't just about the physical need. It was about the spiritual need for the people of Israel. And this massive plan to bring salvation to the people of Israel, and to the world was unfolding. But God was going to use the birth of his son, John, to do that. And I want to tell you this morning what we can learn from this is that God's plan is so much bigger. It's so much deeper in terms of its redemptive and its restoration. It's bigger than we could ever imagine. And when you see God working, we don't know how God works. His ways are so high above our ways And when God has a plan, he has got it to the thousandth generation. He's got a plan to change his country, to bring people to salvation, to do the most incredible things. And that is really a comfort to us. What I love about God as well is that God, we talked about God being sovereign God. And that he is one of the things about being a sovereign God is that God knows everything. So that nothing... Nothing can ever surprise God. And what I love about this is the devil and wicked people can never outmaneuver God with his plan. They can never outmaneuver God. If you look at the book of Esther, it's the one book in the Bible where God's name is never mentioned. But what's incredible about that book is that every time the enemies of God try and destroy his people, God just changes things just before they 're successful, and every time at the last minute he art he maneuvers them almost just to show off and then to show off even more he doesn 't even mention himself in the book just to show that if you think he 's not there, he is art maneuvering his enemies. Why does this bring us peace? Well, when we look at the country, when we look at the wickedness, when we look at the things going on. No one can outsmart God. The corruption can't get past God. To the crafty, God will show himself more crafty. That's what the Bible says. And we need to know that whatever evil decisions people are doing, whatever mistakes they're doing, God is using those things to actually bring about the good. And we see that with Joseph, where his brothers tried to destroy God's purposes. And God actually used what they did to fulfill what he wanted to do. We've seen the same with Judas when he, uh, when Judas portrayed Jesus, God used it to fulfill his plan of salvation. And that's the amazing thing about God. And for me, sometimes I wish that God could coach the springboks because God would always have the perfect strategy because with God's plan, he obviously knows what the enemy is going to do before they even do it. And he would know exactly what the all-blacks were going to do. And he could work out, apart from being all-powerful, so he could make them drop the ball or whatever. But, you know, that's another story. But in terms of tactics, God would know exactly what they were going to do. And that is really the foundation for having rest this year, is rest in the fact knowing that God has a plan for this country. He has a plan for your life. And he is busy outrolling it. And um, maybe we need to cry out to God when you're feeling despondent to say, show me the plan. Read his word. Seek God and listen to the prophecies that people give to us about the country and about themselves, about ourselves. So once we know that God has a plan, we've got that foundation. The second step to having rest in God's plan is the fact that we can have rest from the faith that God's plans will be fulfilled, knowing that what God says will happen will happen. Now, it's interesting in our story when the angel comes to Zechariah and he says, You're gonna have a son, his name's John. Zechariah basically says, How will this be? I'm old and my wife is very advanced in years. And the angel basically makes it that, you know, it strikes him dumb so he can't actually speak. And I believe that something significant has happened here. That God wants to show us something significant about the power of our words. Because Mary on the other side, she would be, she she said, let it be as you said to me. Our words are powerful things that the Bible says that the power of life and death is in the tongue. And it's amazing how negative words can break down and destroy our faith and how positive words can build up our faith. And I believe that when God reveals his plan to us, he wants us to declare his plan and to pray into it rather than grumble and say, I think we've all been there when you, you know, you think, you know, you get this promise from God and things are going bad and you're like, oh, this is never going to happen. This is never going to happen. How is this going to happen? Is this ever going to happen? And what happens, unfortunately, when we start reaffirming those negative words is we start believing it. If you want to see an example of this, look at the nation of Israel when they were getting taken to the promised land. And often I've had a conversation with my wife and she says, how on earth could a people who'd seen God part the Red Sea who'd seen him do all these amazing miracles, lose their faith in God, and not get to the promised land. It should have been easy. I believe what happened is you hear in the Bible, you read basically that they were constantly grumbling. And although God had done these amazing things, what had happened was they'd started grumbling so much. Like, oh, we're going to die in the desert. We're never going to get there Oh, what's going to happen? We would have been better in Egypt. They started grumbling so much that eventually they started to believe that rather than what God had promised. And they never got there. And I believe it's the same in our lives that God wants us, when he reveals his plan through the Bible and through prophecy, he wants it to declare it over our lives, to speak life over it, but also to pray into it. And I guarantee you, You won't pray for something you don't believe is going to happen. If you don't have the faith, why would you pray into it? And your prayer life, my prayer life, is often quite telling for what I pray for. Do I believe that God is going to be able to do what he said he's going to do? Asking a question this morning, I want to ask is how do you steward the promises and the prophecies that God has given you? Do you forget about them and let them kind of fall away? Do you speak stuff that is contrary to these things? Or do you declare these things over your life and do you constantly pray into them? That's just a, a challenge, something to think about, but we'll get there in the end. Finally, I believe those are the two parts of rest that we believe that God has a plan and we believe that God is able to fulfill his plan. The third thing about being able to fully rest in God's plan is that rest comes as we fully surrender to God's plan. Now it's it's not always easy to go along with God's plan. If we look at our story here, we had Zechariah whose son was going to be John, John the prophet who was going to lead the way for the Lord. You might not know this, but about John's life was he lived as a hermit in the desert and of course he was martyred at the end. And I'm sure that Zachariah knew that because his son had been called to be a prophet, he wasn't going to live the life he expected. Things were going to be tough. He was going to live in the desert and probably face persecution. Maybe he had other plans for his son. Maybe he had something quite different in mind. You think Zachariah's bad. Imagine Mary's story. She was basically betrothed to Joseph. And what that betrothal means is that initially in the Jewish culture, you got engaged. So, okay, we're going to get married. And then what happens is the bride would wait. And then after about a year, the the bridegroom would come and get her. And it was almost a time of testing when you had to show, okay, I'm faithful. I can wait for you. And Mary, with God's plan, has to suddenly tell Joseph, listen, while I was waiting for you, I got pregnant by the Holy Spirit, but trust me, I wasn't unfaithful. It's basically the worst thing that could possibly happen. It's, 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 it sounds like the worst possible excuse for unfaithfulness. But yet Mary had the faith to say, God, let your plan come. I, I want to be a part of this. And it's interesting because God made a provision. Uh, Joseph was going to leave Mary, but an angel came and spoke to him. So when we give up our own plans for God, God will make provision for that. But I think it's not always easy when God reveals his plan, especially for us personally, is we sometimes think, is this thing believable? Can God possibly do it? We also think, but hang on, I had this plan. I had this plan in mind, and this is disrupting my plan. We can also think, well, this is going to be really hard it's going to destroy my comfort. It's going to, you know, it's going to change things. But embracing God's plan is about placing your life fully in God's hands. And I've, I've been reading this amazing book uh, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, not the Bible for my sermon. It's another one. Um, just joking, anyway. You know. Um But it's, it's, it, it's called God's Smuggler. And it's about this... This man called Brother Andrew, who comes from quite humble beginnings, and it's about his journey of surrendering his life to God, and him saying, yes, God, I want to do what you want. And basically, God used this guy to go into all these communist countries around the world and smuggle in Bibles. And, you know, from what started as just one decision to say yes, God used him in the most incredible way to encourage hundreds of thousands of believers in different closed countries where communism was rife. And he was able to bring in Bibles. And for me, it was just such an inspirational story about what God can do when you surrender your life to him. And ultimately, the Bible tells us, it says that that God is, you know, man plans his ways in his heart, but ultimately it is God's plans that get established. And I think that one of the major reasons we lack peace is because we're struggling against God. We're struggling against what he wants to do in our lives. And it, at initial appearance, it might appear very difficult. But once, the more we surrender to him, you know, God is good. He's an amazing father. He is the perfect father. And he wouldn't do something that was bad. And when he uses our lives, he wants to do something amazing that will be such a blessing to other people but also in the long run, it'll be a blessing to ourselves. I want to ask you this morning, do you trust God with your life? And how much control of your life are you willing to hand over to God? And would you be okay with it if God decided to change your plans? For me, I was thinking of examples to illustrate this, and I was reminded of the time when I did my driving test. And I was lucky. I, I only failed once, and I managed to pass the second time. We, I had a friend of mine who, who broke the record of, of, of driving it about eight times. Eventually, he never told us that he did it, but it was quite comical. We, we had bets on every time whether he was going to pass or not. But, but one of the very interesting things is when you do the driving the driving instructor, when you're in one of those cars and you're there with the instructor, he has basically controls on the left-hand side where he can override. If you do something crazy, like if you're driving at a truck, he can sort of take control with the, with with these pedals. And it's amazing how, you know, you're trying to do the wrong thing, and he just comes and overrides that control. And if two of you like the driving instructor and yourself, try and do different things. You don't go anywhere. And I think it's sometimes the same with God in our lives. We wanna say to God, yeah, God, we give you control, but we don't wanna give him all the control. And God wants to take the car and he wants to drive it, you know, like a racing driver, I imagine. He wants to drive it like a rally driver. But yet we're still trying to hold on to the wheel. We're still trying to say, God, slow down. But I believe that perfect peace And perfect rest can come when we say to God, I'm fully gonna surrender myself to your plans. So I wanna read a scripture this morning just to encourage us, uh, which is basically from Proverbs uh, chapter three, verses five to six. Um, And it's gonna be up, of course, on the screen. And it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. And again, I want to say that God is a good Father. He's much better than we could ever think. And when we trust Him with His plans, He's going to do amazing things, but it's going to bring the most incredible rest to our lives. And. You might be sitting here and you might be thinking, well, it's been a hell of a year. I don't feel like next year. I just want to escape. But I believe God wants to take you from that place of being worried about next year, being worried about your life, being worried about the country, to actually being excited and saying, I wonder what God is going to do. I wonder what plans God has for me. He has for this country, for this church, for this community. I really believe that God wants us to get to that place of faith where we're looking at that. And I want to just go through those points again just to say that we need to realize that God has a plan that is deeper and more amazing than anything we could ever hope or dream for. Also, that when we start to get inklings and God reveals His plan to us, let us pray into it, let us declare it. And the main thing is really God wants us to be part of His plan. It's a privilege to be a part of his plan. And in the same way he used Zachariah's uh, sadness at not having a child, he used him to be part of his amazing plan to bring a Savior. And he wants to do the same to you. Don't worry, guys. He doesn't want to make you pregnant, just in case you're wondering. But I was challenged. I really felt that God was saying to me this morning, um, just when I was doing the preparation, is, he was asking me again, I think, you know, it's easy to say, God, yeah, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. But when it messes with our plans, when it messes what, with what we want to do, are we willing to fully let go of the controls and say, God, do what you want to do? And I felt that personally myself, I wanted a response moment. I, I can say that I followed God in many ways, but I haven't followed God as much as I would have liked to. I haven't always said to God, I trust totally in you and your plan. There we go. Take everything. And I believe that God wants us to do a response moment this morning where we can respond to Him. And He's asking us, will you follow me and will you let me do what I want to do in your life, even if it means I mess with your plans? And I want to ask this morning, maybe if we can do a response moment. If that is you this morning, if you want to say for 2018, God I want to trust you for an amazing adventure for 2018, that you will take my life and do something amazing, something more than I could ever do. I want to ask that you stand this morning and say, yes, Lord, I want to do that. I want to go on an adventure for 2018. And I'm just going to pray for us this morning. God, I thank you so much, Lord, that you have amazing plans for us for 2018. And we can arrest in those plans knowing that you have the perfect plan. And God, we so want to be a part, of it, a part of it. And forgive us, God, where we've held back anything of the controls to let you do your plan as you want to. So I thank you, Lord, that as we surrender to you today, you're going to do amazing things in this church, in this community, in this country, and in each individual life that is here. And we just thank you for your goodness and we thank you that you are a perfect Father. In Jesus' name, amen.